0: Welcome to the Hello First Name podcast. The Hello First Name podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holi, founder of Omnichannel Institute and Chief Experience Officer at the marketing automation software company, Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free. And all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Chapter 5. Marketing without personalization. In Chapter 3, we settled on a definition of personalization that all marketing practitioners should be able to comprehend and will hopefully find useful. As we concluded, the definition is fairly wide. In fact, it is so wide that it may be hard to imagine marketing without any form of personalization or at least some sort of customer segmentation, which we concluded is one form of personalization. Imagine for instance that you are marketing a high-end shoe brand and are planning a campaign run entirely on physical out-of-home media. Obviously you are likely to be happy to pay more to have your ads displayed on bus stops in neighborhoods where wealthier families tend to live. And you will perhaps not use any budget at all for neighborhoods where less wealthy people live. Since you will then be indirectly choosing some customers over others, this is essentially segmentation and thus also personalization to some degree. Haven't marketers then always used some kind of segmentation and personalization? In this chapter, with the purpose of understanding personalization on an even deeper level, we shall explore how marketing looks when we take personalization out of the equation. As the example above shows, in real life this may not be possible at all. But the exercise will bring us closer to comprehending what personalization isn't, or which parts of marketing it cannot make up for, and that still need to be taken into account when striving for profitability. As the definition says, personalization is a distinct communication tactic. Not the only communication tactic personalization value equation marketing has always been a commercial discipline in a sense it's the third function needed in a company first you need a product then you need sales people and finally when their efforts are no longer scaling roughly put that's where marketing comes in so marketing has always been about creating value but how is value then created basically Value is created by taking your value proposition and presenting it in an engaging way to as many people as possible. This is illustrated in the following equation. Value equals proposition times format times reach. Short or long-term value creation. In much the same way as personalization does, marketing can focus on creating value with either a short-term or a long-term perspective. Short-term marketing is often referred to as performance marketing. And advertising for a long term effect is commonly referred to as branding. The two aren't mutually exclusive since branding campaigns will often also drive sales here and now, and vice versa. Performance marketing, chasing short term conversions. Performance marketing is focused on proposing some kind of action, often a purchase, that the audience is recommended to take. It can happen either on paid media, such as search engine marketing, for instance on Google or Bing, or on paid social media, such as Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. There will often be a direct link to suggested products or even the option of browsing the products right there on the advertising platform. Performance marketing can obviously also take place on owned media, such as in a newsletter full of this week's offers or the products of the season. Classic measures of performance marketing include click-through rates, conversion rates and return on advertising spend. Branding, affecting how people feel about your brand. Whereas performance marketing is focused on encouraging the customer to take a specific action here and now, Branding is focused on making customers feel something. This might mean encouraging customers to just feel more familiar with the brand and how it looks, or to associate the brand with certain experiences, moods, or occasions. Classic measures of branding include brand awareness, brand consideration, brand preference, and brand usage. Another option is brand associations. Using strong value propositions for easier marketing. Moving into the parts of the equation that create the value, we first encounter the term proposition, What is it that your company is offering and how is this attractive to customers? What products or services are you proposing to your customers? A proposition can be more or less attractive for a certain customer or group of customers. If you're digging holes all day, then you might consider a company selling shovels to have quite a good value proposition. If you want to minimize the economic risk of getting robbed or crashing your car, then insurance would be an interesting value proposition. All propositions have a flip side, however namely how much friction is involved in taking advantage of the value proposition. Friction could relate to either monetary or practical concerns. Is the offering very expensive? And how easy is it to take advantage of? A Ferrari may seem very attractive to many people, but it's considered expensive for the vast majority. A cheap health club membership that still includes personal trainers, swimming facilities and a sauna will seem very attractive for most people. But if the physical location is too far from your home or work address, there will still be too much friction for the value proposition to be attractive. The proposition can therefore be thought of as attraction divided by friction. Needless to say, a strong value proposition will make marketing considerably easier, and personalization will not make up for a poor value proposition. Getting the format right to engage your audience. Value propositions don't normally sell themselves. They need to be presented in ways that your audience will notice and hopefully remember. To do this, you need a strong format. Creativity is key here taking the form of humor, emotions or elements of surprise. The more creativity that you can put into a format, the more your value proposition will get noticed and remembered and the more value you'll eventually get from your marketing. Again, there's a flip side. A strong format is often expensive to produce. If you hire superstar Katy Perry to dance around in a cartoon-like plastic fantastic environment while singing and ordering takeout from your company, then you will probably get a lot of attention and potentially also value, but most likely she won't do it for free. A strong format often, but not always, comes at a high cost. We can therefore consider format to consist of creativity divided by the cost of production. Sometimes a high production cost is worth it. An expensive looking high-end ad can create an aura around your value proposition, giving your audience the feeling that your product is equally high-end. This can enable you to create value with your marketing even though the friction, for instance price, of your value proposition is high. Personalization does not void the need for thinking about format. If your marketing and communication are consistently boring, forgettable, unengaging, and potentially even insensitive, then it doesn't matter how good you are at segmenting your customer database. Achieving more value via high reach. An expensive ad for a good value proposition is wasted if no one sees it. Naturally, reaching a large audience is key to creating value. But reach is not just reach. Some channels will provide you with better engagement than others. A carefully crafted post by a trusted and well-followed influencer will generate much more engagement than will a display advertising campaign on Google Display Network. A Google search advert will also beat the display advert in terms of engagement. The display advert loses because consumers have become more and more immune to this form of marketing. Both the influencer marketing post and the Google search advert will likely come at a much higher cost than the display advert. But the engagement will be substantially higher. This is shown in the following version of the equation value equals proposition times format times engagement divided by cost. In much the same way that personalization doesn't remove the need to decide on the right proposition or to make sure you present it in an engaging format, personalization won't compensate for poor reach. Sometimes reach suffers when personalization is applied. If done properly, however, the increase in engagement should greatly make up for this, especially if you use the right combination of software and skills to merge your insights and content efficiently. The overall message is that you shouldn't sacrifice your ability to reach a lot of customers by being too narrow with unscalable hyper-personalization. Adding extra value to your marketing through personalization. If you are good at reaching a lot of potential customers with an attractive proposition in a strong format, then you have a lot of things working out for you already. Personalization will then enable you to create additional value in your marketing communication. Value equals proposition times format times reach times personalization. Countless studies have examined and quantified the potential effects of personalization. Personally, we're big fans of how McKinsey authors present the topic in the Next in Personalization 2021 report. In this study, they divide companies into different archetypes based on their go-to-market models and how directly each company interacts with its customers. The go-to-market models that benefit the least from personalization are the ones with the least direct customer relationships, such as fast-moving consumer goods, and consumer packaged goods. These companies report that they see an average of five to 10% of their revenue coming from personalized marketing actions or tactics. At the other end of the spectrum lie the born digital direct-to-consumer companies with a staggering 25% of their revenue attributed to personalized actions or tactics. The potential of adding personalization for non-practitioners will thus be one divided by one minus 25% equals one33 equaling a 33% uplift. And this is only the average. The actual potential is even bigger. As we shall see in chapter 16, there are good reasons to keep in mind the potential spread in the effect that can be achieved with personalization, and how this spread correlates with the go-to-market models suggested by McKinsey. With a potential uplift of more than 33% for companies with certain go-to-market models, it makes sense that marketers and tech vendors are looking into how they can apply or help to apply personalization to their customer experience. In part two of this book, we shall explore a novel practitioner's perspective on personalization. This perspective will serve as a guide for how you as a marketer can move closer to manifesting this potential as real money. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, which is a more classical podcast style, We'll be discussing the chapter you just listened to, namely Marketing Without Personalization, together with Kim Jong Andersen, Chief Commercial Officer and Partner at the famous agency Vibro Dukat and & Partners and Chairman slash Founder of Danish Digital Awards.